Hey everyone, welcome to Tales from the Pros. And this is Michael Giorgio, your host and co-founder of Imagine Ovation. My special guest with me here today is an inspirational speaker, coach, and one of the most prolific advocates of heart-based leadership in North America. Inc. Magazine named him one of the top 100 leadership speakers alongside noteworthy giants such as Richard Branson, John Maxwell, and Robin Sharma, which I'm sure you all know. Bobby is a 5X TEDx speaker and one of the top social media influencers in the world with over half a million followers. He has been named the second best business coach to follow on Twitter and the fourth best leadership influencer according to Cred. Bobby is an author of three books, including international number one bestseller. This is Tales from the Pros, where business leaders and influencers share their stories of inspiration, struggles, and successes. And I'm your host, Michael Giorgio. Please welcome Bobby Umar. Bobby, I really appreciate you being with me here today, man. Thank you so much. Very excited to be here, Michael. Thank you very much, too. Absolutely. I know you're uh, you're very busy, and and uh, like I mentioned to you before, you know I see you everywhere, all over LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn a lot, <laughs> and um, I love your messages and and just uh, how authentic and real you are, and everything's very positive. And um, I, I think the world just needs needs more of that. You know what I mean? There's a lot of clutter on the internet, as you know. So. I know I appreciate that, and uh, I'm really glad that my message is resonating with people such as yourself. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So, Bobby, just kind of kick things off here. Can you give us a little background on on just your story and what essentially led you to helping lost leaders and how to find their clarity and purpose and and joy and fulfillment? Sure. So, I think the best way to start was uh, I was a lost leader myself. You know, I had tried different careers. So, first I started engineering. I dabbled in performing arts. I then did uh, after my MBA, I did brand marketing, and uh, I just couldn't find the the right thing that fit me. I also did a bit of teaching as well, and then I realized, you know what, I need to dive in my personal brand, really figure this stuff out. And so once I did, the thing that came up to to uh, you know my mind was like, you know, I probably should do motivational speaking, professional speaking, and so. I launched that 13 years ago and I haven't looked back because it aligned with all the things that I care about in terms of nurturing people, influence, persuasion, diversity, uh, and all the things that I really care about that are part of my brand as a connector and as an influencer. So I started that. And then as I've gone through it, I've kind of evolved to add different things in terms of, you know, writing a book and doing some coaching. But speaking is the main thing I do. It's the main thing I love. And uh, that's why I'm here today. Great. So did you always see yourself as... Did you always see always see yourself as a as an entrepreneur and just kind of building your own personal brand, or were you always thinking of yourself as a corporate man, or how did that kind of come about? I think I was always a people pleaser, and I think that's where uh, it helped me, but it also got me stuck. Yeah. So I think you know there was entrepreneur stuff all through my life as a kid, you know, selling raspberries and doing junior achievement and, and doing stuff in high school, but I never thought of myself as an entrepreneur. It was only until I was in corporate after my MBA and I was trying to, you know, impress people in the corporate world that I realized, you know what, I'm spending my time being a people pleaser when really I should be pleasing myself and figuring out what, what works best for me. And so I, and I look back when I did my personal brand journey and realized, Hey, you know, there's a lot of entrepreneurship stuff throughout my life. Uh, I mean, technically the musical theater company I ran was an entrepreneur adventure that I put together. And so I was like, you know, maybe I should be doing more of that. So I didn't really, fit the mindset of an entrepreneur until much later when I started really thinking about what I wanted to do. 
And, and just kind of like in your experience, Bobby, like, do you feel many business leaders or, or I would say leaders in general don't live their purpose, but essentially they just work for the wrong reasons? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. There's a reason why 76% of people are unfulfilled or dispassionate about their jobs, right? That's a stat, that's a stat from, I believe, Deloitte. There's another stat that says that 80% of first-year university or college students who are studying something end up doing something completely different than what they started with. And that's because most of us follow a, uh, uh, you know, a, a path of success defined by other people. We don't take the time to understand what we really want, what aligns with us. We define success based on our parents or corporations or society. And so we end up becoming feeling lost or stuck. And once we get into the corporate world, we start working for a company or a path or industry. And then five, 10 years later, we create a narrative that makes us stuck and we just feel resigned to being there. Well, they were like, well, you know, making good money, even though it doesn't really fit with what I care about. Or, you know, um, thank goodness for my, my wife and kids at home, even though I don't like my job, but, you know, I, I got to pay the bills. And so we create this narrative or mindset that kind of holds us back. And so <clears throat> that's why I think a lot of people are feeling this way all the time because they follow these different paths that um, are not really aligned with who they are. Yeah, and I agree with that. I mean, I, I, I just noticed so many people, they're just, they're just working to make money or they just feel the pressure to have this nine to five gig, nine to five job, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I, at least that's the, that's the kind of the, for me being in, in the US for 20, 20, almost 25 years, uh, there's just so much stress and pressure in the country and, um, and probably even around the world in terms of just having that, that seven to eight hour job and just making money and providing for your family and all that. But I think there's a lot more to life than that. You know, you have to do something that you really, really love and you enjoy because if you enjoy it and you have purpose in it, you're going to be so much more productive and you're going to be you know, you're just going to do that much better. And, and I think you can, I think everyone can have some sort of better positive influence, I believe. Yeah, you know? yeah, I agree. And I think a lot of people are, are, you know, afraid of change. And so, you know, even the nine to five, you know, corporate structure is based on something that is, you know, not really needed anymore. It's based on the industrial revolution. And so now like things have changed. We have a knowledge economy, we have a gig economy, there's opportunity everywhere. But people have to get past their mindset to do that and yes parents and corporations uh you know put a lot of mindset on it like, oh get a stable job and you know get the, get yeah. the wife and kids and the, and the 2.1 children and the white picket fence house like they say that but you know it's not really what is best for us and another big thing that happens a lot is people typically will do this thing where they'll say uh here's what i want to here's what i want to do i want to be an accountant Here, let me learn how to become an accountant then i get a job as an accountant and i live my life based uh, as what my accounting salary will give me and so what they do is they, they do, then they learn, and then they live. But what you want to do is you should do actually live first. Figure out the type of life you want to live, then figure out what it takes to, to do that, and then learn how to do it. And that's really the, what you should be doing versus just doing the, the opposite. Yeah, no, that, that's so true. Yeah, and I think, I, I, I mean, that's, that's, one of the, the, that's one of the main reasons I, I wanted to interview Bobby because it, that resonated with me a lot. And I, I think it's gonna, I think it's starting to resonate with a lot of people. Uh, a, a lot of some other business leaders, uh, that I've interviewed have, have said very similar things. Um, and I think it's so important for us, um, as even if we're not entrepreneurs, it doesn't always have to be a business owner or entrepreneur. I think it, it could be someone who's working in a company 
who might have an entrepreneurial mindset um, and, and they need to figure out really what makes them happy. And like I said before, I think that's going to make a huge difference in, in just their overall daily lives. And when they wake up in the morning, they're going to feel so joyful and they're going to have gratitude. You know what I mean? So absolutely. Elements are and so and there are, yeah. And there are ways for people to create, um, you know, uh, opportunities and freedom versus, uh, you know, just not being an entrepreneur. Like I, if, if you're not entrepreneurial, there are ways to do it. Like some people I work with, they'll, they'll, invest in real estate and next thing you know, or they invest in a business, which they then buy, but then have someone else running for them because they're not entrepreneurial, but they're good at taking the asset and, and leveraging it to create more freedom for themselves. So you, know, you could buy real estate and then eventually have a business manager run that real estate. And now you don't need the job anymore because you're making all this rental income. So there are ways to create revenue streams and, and systems, even if you're not entrepreneurial to provide more freedom and flexibility for what it is you really want to do with your life. Yeah. And, and also in your experience, Bobby, what are we as business leaders missing when we go about our daily lives? Like, is it, do you, do you feel, do you feel it's a, it's more of a lack of gratitude, patience, faith, belief? Like what, what do you feel in your experience is, is something that, that a lot of us are lacking? Hmm, good question. Um, I, I'd say it's hard to say. I mean, I don't want to, you know, uh, claim what I think everyone's missing <laughs> for one thing, but yeah. I, I think that, you know, there's definitely something around what I would call um, alignment and fulfillment, right? So aligning uh, and connect with yourself, you know, aligning with what your values are, aligning with what you're passionate about, aligning with what you really want to do um, and where you're going to find the most joy and fulfillment. And if you, people are usually missing that. Even the high level CEOs or successful entrepreneur, tech entrepreneurs who are, you know, running multi-million dollar companies, they're feeling unfulfilled. They're feeling like, well, I've, I've achieved this and I've created that impact, but I don't feel like I have that, uh, you know, that's not the legacy that I wanted. I mean, yeah, I, I made company X $500 million, but what have I done for myself? Am I going to be remembered for that? And that's why I go back to the whole, you know, story, purpose, legacy. Like ultimately, we all want to leave a legacy. In fact, I would argue that there's three things that people want. They want to have more focus and clarity. They want to have more alignment and fulfillment, and they also want to have more impact and legacy. And so that you know that those of having more focus having more alignment having more impact those are things that individuals want and you know they just don't know how to start getting it and and bobby like what do you have any tips in regards to how leaders should create a legacy the right way like what have you experienced with in, in mentoring and coaching other businesses and people what 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 has worked well, there's lots of things you can do, but one of the things I like to ask people is, you know, what do you want your legacy to be? And I start to reverse engineer their life. And I say, think of yourself as an 80-year-old sitting on a porch, reviewing your life, and people see you on that porch. What are they going to think about you? What are they going to say about you? What do you want them to say about you? Oh, there's the guy who was a, you know, a, a really tough work workaholic who, you know, made that company millions of dollars, or he's someone that had heart, made an, made an impact on the community, and was a game changer because of you know X, Y, and Z. So visioning and reverse engineering what kind of life you want to live uh, is actually quite powerful. In fact, there's a great um, a great article on the five regrets of the dying. If you look at what they say, you know they talk about the importance of the connection and relationships in your life. And they talk about the importance of experiencing the grand diversity of this great earth. And so if you look at that, that's one thing that's a very stark thing that helps. The second thing that uh, I think. And that and that's one that's a one kind of grand thing. The second thing is, you know, trying to get them to do things now. So you look at the narratives that they create. And so I usually will talk to clients about, you know, where do you want to see yourself in one year, five year, two, five, ten years? 
and, where, and what does it look like for you in terms of how it makes you feel? Because uh, that's going to be part of your story. You know, do you want your story to be that I slaved away at this company for 10 years or that I actually was able to contribute to society in a way that's beyond the cubicle and beyond the office space? So giving them, giving them that kind of sh short, long-term kind of goals to, to go after. And the third thing really is to uh, encourage them that what's the, what's the best way to get there? You know, most people need a coach to get there. You need a coach for to be a, to be more fit. You need a coach to be to, to pass an exam. You need a coach to you know, do better with your life. So I'm a big believer in using coaches to find more focus, accountability, and really the 10x results that you really want in your life. Mm -hmm. What do you believe is is really the most important characteristic or trait to have in order for us to excel in our lives? Do you think there's a there's a, a, a one or two things, or you think it's just a combination of, of different characteristics mm. for, for excelling and, and moving forward, striving to, to achieve our goals? That's a good question. Um, it's hard to say there's one thing. I mean, you could, yeah. you could argue gratitude. Or you mean, you, you could lump it into leadership, right? I mean, leadership for me is the idea of Influence yourself to evolve, change, grow, and learn and adapt to better yourself, so that you can better the people around you and better your company and better your better your better your world. So you could say leadership is that, but you know there's smaller things like love and kindness and gratitude. I'm a big believer in empathy, and empathy is something I think that really connects me to uh, my life, my family, my friends, my work, and allows me to understand how people are feeling, so that I can actually help them and, and create more impact. So it's hard for me to come up with, with one thing. Yeah. Um, I, I think if, if we define leadership the way I just did, which is, you know, creating influence by improving yourself um, and evolving, learning, growing to better yourself and the people around you. Uh, and, that, and that includes everything from being a better friend to being in better health to being a better uh, worker. If you're willing to adopt the idea of that leadership piece, then I think that's what's going to uh, make a difference. Yeah, I mean, have you noticed uh, empathy? Empathy is uh, has been talked about uh, a lot lately these last yeah. few years, especially from I'm sure you know Gary Vaynerchuk, right? And sure, and all these top guys. Um, have you ever been able to meet Gary? Uh, well, very close. I did share the stage with him one time as a speaker, but I never actually got a chance to meet him uh, That's awesome. directly. <laughs> That's so cool. I tried though. I tried really hard. <laughs> he was really he had a lot of handlers. Oh, I, I can imagine. Where did you ever did you ever meet any any of these uh these top these other top guys that you uh that were also kind of mentors to you? Uh, you know, it's it's hard to it's hard to meet some of them. I met I met Robin Sharma one time, and that was fun, and he was really great. But uh, oh, wow. yeah, that's cool. Yeah, one day I'll meet some of these guys. <laughs> but uh, Tony Robbins, maybe. But sure, yeah, they, they have a lot of handlers. It's it's not easy to not easy to meet them. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, you know, like I was talking about, you know, Gary Vee talks a lot about empathy as well. And, and the thing is, is I've noticed a lot in, in my life, uh, I love how you mentioned empathy, because when you can, I feel like when you can learn about someone's life and understand their story, and even when you're trying to work with them, and you're trying to, to, you know, trying to build that relationship with them, even as a, as a potential client or what have you, when you have empathy for them, and you you understand what they're going through. It it just makes it it really it makes things that much easier. The the trust increases. The, yeah. the you know what I mean. The 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 relationship increases. It 
there's so much that, and I feel like if we all had more empathy and not just business, but in our families, like you mentioned, and, and friendships, and even in, with strangers, just having empathy and understanding them and understanding what they're going through and, and kind of not pitying them, but just understanding that, hey, everyone has a struggle. Like I'm, I'm here to help you, you know what I mean? Without expecting anything in return type deal. Yeah, I think empathy is a way to create more heart leadership, right? So if we empathize with the people that we work with, we can create a leadership that invests in the people and becomes more connective. The same thing applies to being a better father, a better son, a better friend. So I think I think empathy is really a great way to create that connection. And, and to me, it's probably the biggest uh, leadership skill that we can all work on because it's going to make us better. It's going to make our teams better. So I love empathy. It's great. It is. And, and I, I, I believe in uh, obviously the, you know, the power of positivity is so important, especially when we're going through really tough times and struggles, positivity, when you're just positive, it, it, for some reason in my life, at least Bobby, like I feel that it's when I, when I'm kind of down on my knees and I'm, I'm so, you know, it's just so, so much anxiety, so stressed out with, with whatever's happening in business or, or just in, in life in general, when you're positive, it just, I feel like life changes, you know, when you have faith and when you're positive, things just change for the better, you know, cause, cause your mind, I feel defaults to the neck. It just defaults to negativity and you have to kind of shift that mindset. Yeah. I think our mindset is something that kind of holds us back. And I mean, whether we have a fixed mindset or a growth mindset, finding a way to, you know, find the gratitude, find the positive to fail forward, to learn and grow uh, and understand, you know, that it's tomorrow's another day and then you know, where we learn from our mistakes. Uh, you know, that mindset can take you down one path or a more positive path. It's important for us to work on that mindset as best we can. Yeah, no, definitely. So just jumping a little bit here, Bobby, um, you know, as I mentioned before and uh, earlier in the podcast that you have a lot of followers, you have a, a huge reach. I mean, your, your videos get a lot of views, even though views is not the most important thing, but just kind of putting some metrics to it. You're, you get reach a lot of people, have a lot of influence, uh, which is great. And you've built yourself a, a strong personal brand um, and personal branding. I feel right now is hugely in trend because I think there's a, there's a lack of, there's just, there's just way too much clutter right now online. And there's a lack of trust, as I mentioned, and, and everyone's just trying to sell, 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 sell. Do you notice that? Especially just on Facebook, LinkedIn, and we're just trying to sell something. Yeah. But when you're providing these red, these authentic, real, true messages um, and, and that resonate with so many people, that's amazing. And I think the world needs more of that. Um, so with you building a strong personal brand for yourself, did you have any tips, Bobby, or, or strategies or tactics that you utilized in order to create that personal brand? Any, any, any type of tips for, for, you know, for others? Oh man, so many. <laughs> so, well, some of the best ones. I know it's a very high level question, but what what has kind of worked for you? Well, is it more social? Is it more con? Is it content? Is no, it the first thing to think about is number one: you need to invest the time and energy and resources to dive in your personal brand and understand what it is. People don't do the work. It takes work. You got to do the work. Oh yeah. So that that's the first thing. The second thing is once you have that personal brand kind of laid out, now you have to think about your target audience and how you want to serve them and what's your why and, and what's your pain point and how you can, how you can you know, fill their buckets and make them feel good and empowered. So once you, and then you figure that out and then you start creating content to serve that need. So for me, a big part of creating a thought leadership personal brand is broken down into three things. One is building relationships. Number two is creating the content and generating ideas. And number three 
is about working on your speaking and your writing skills. So if you want to build a strong personal brand, you need to do all three of those things. You need to network better. You need to create content. You need to work on your speaking and writing skills. And if you do that, all of the Gary Vaynerchuk's and the Oprah Winfrey's and the Brandy Browns and Tony Robbins, that's what they're doing. They're always working on their stuff too. And they put it to a really, really strong level. So for me, that's what I would make sure you would work on. And the other thing I would, the other tip I'll say is just start, like, you know, create a con, create some content, do a blog post, do a video, just share and just say, hey, here I am. I realize my personal brand is this. I want to dive in and help people in this way. What do you think? And just start getting, just engage people. The, the most important piece is progress, not perfection. And if you are willing to engage, because it's amazing how few people engage. Like LinkedIn is a good example, right? I mean, only only one percent of LinkedIn users are there engaging on an active on an active level, and of that of that one percent, only one percent are actually creating content daily, like I am, right? So, if you want to make a difference, get out there and start creating content. You'll actually find it uh, to be quite a game changer. Yeah, it's not like Facebook, right? Facebook's very different, isn't it? Facebook has changed a lot. Well, Facebook changed in the sense that there's there's more of a pay-to-play model for entrepreneurs and businesses. Uh, but even like uh, for my personal level, I mean, still I still do posts on Facebook. But for Facebook, I'm I'm talking more about you know personal stuff, family stuff, social issues, things like that. Um, but you know, it's frustrating there because you feel like no one sometimes people don't see your posts or no one likes it. Like, what the heck? Where where's everybody? It's so weird. Whereas, whereas on LinkedIn, like because they're pushing the algorithm, almost everyone's seeing your stuff, and you feel pretty. It feels like you're getting great, great engagement. Like I'm getting far greater engagement on LinkedIn right now than I have, I have anywhere else, even though my influence might be larger on Twitter or, you know, more personal on Facebook. What are your thoughts on Twitter lately? Uh, well, I'm, I'm on Twitter. I love Twitter. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of haters. Um, what I would say is that, and the biggest challenge Twitter has is all the hate on there, all the vitriol. But part of the part of the thing with Twitter is that you know they've been really great uh, for for uh, for a while, and then recently in, in the most in the last couple of years they've really been. Uh, the truth is they've actually survived because of uh, Donald Trump, because he he's on there and you know he's posting a lot of really negative stuff and a lot of, there's a lot of people love his stuff but it's, it's keeping them alive because it's creating a lot of engagement and stuff like that. But because so, so uh, two years about a year and a half ago Twitter lost their first ever user base like they've been growing the user base but they had one quarter where they lost user base yep, so that's a big that. challenge and one of the reasons why I, I think they don't want to get rid of trump is because he's keeping them afloat with all the activity and stuff but you know twitter still has two things that's going for them that's really really good number one uh responsiveness so if there is an election if there's an earthquake if there's a soccer goal scored anywhere in the world right away in twitter people are tweeting about it they're sharing pictures they're sharing video right away in the moment that's huge. There's no nothing, there, there's yeah. nothing like that anywhere else. Number two is accessibility, which means that I can I can tweet Lady Gaga, Donald Trump, Barack Obama, and and Elton John and say, hey, you're amazing, or you suck, or whatever I want. But the point is, you feel like you have access to them because they're so accessible. Whereas you can't really do that on LinkedIn or Facebook because they're not your friends or they're not your professional connections. So the accessibility piece and the responsiveness piece of Twitter is huge, and so. People still go to Twitter all the time to get the latest news and thought leadership in, in every field there is, whether it's sports, whether it's politics, whether it's business, there's a lot going on. So that's why for now, I, I think Twitter is still a, a, a player in the game, and I think it's something that people need to use. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and obviously YouTube is very powerful. But YouTube is, it's uh, it's not as easy as it used to be to get views on your videos. There's there's just so many. I mean, how many videos are uploaded per day? It's insane. Yeah, and the problem with YouTube is that you have to push it out, right? So <clears throat> you have to push it out and then get more views on it, which is challenging if you don't have the subscribers. But again, YouTube is also evolving. You know, they're trying to throw in stories now, just like the Instagram stories and Snapchat stories and Facebook stories, because. And now LinkedIn and YouTube are now investigating having stories in their platforms, which makes sense. Twitter already has it because Twitter basically is a tweet is a story. So there you have them. Yeah, I personally love LinkedIn. So I try to stick with LinkedIn and YouTube. Facebook hasn't worked too well. Less like you said, it was a little more personal, personal stuff. But business isn't as, I don't know, I just felt for business um it's not as well the best business thing isn't as high well the best business thing for facebook is the groups right i mean linkedin groups are not that great and facebook groups are probably the best for business so my best business groups are on facebook um but in terms of uh, having a business brand it's really pay to play like you have to like put ads in to get your content out there yeah that's true they're they're uh they're really pushing their their paid platform yeah absolutely um so bobby like I'm assuming in in the past or in, in in your life you've had mentors or you've had some great advice from other people. What are some of the what's some of the best advice that you received in regards to essentially finding your fulfillment for yourself that allowed you to truly excel? Did you get any good advice from from anyone or? or well, know, I think one of the or, yeah. So I think. Um, I have a mentor, and one of the things he told me was about you know learning to value myself more. Uh, I was the type of guy that you know I'm I'm really big on people pleasing, right, and the power of connection. So often I would do things for people and go out of my way without even getting paid for it. And he's like, Bobby, you need to like value yourself and treat yourself as a business, particularly in all these different areas. And he did a little experiment where he checked how often I would give back and not directly or indirectly create revenue and it turned out it was 58 percent of my time was non-revenue creation activities like that's way too high and so i tried to shift that down to like 10 to 20 percent and you know and not be so um freely giving all my time and i still i still get my time but it's just a have to have the right balance right by all means give back but 10 20 percent is what he told me to do and so that's kind of what i strive to do now you said ten. You said ten to twenty percent. So yeah. Don't expect anything back. What? Sorry, say that again. You said you said uh, I it kind of broke up there. You, you mentioned don't expect anything back. No, 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 no. I said that ten to twenty percent of your time is for giving back, right? Don't spend the majority of your time giving back because then you're not going to generate business and you know be able to do things you want to do. You have to take care of business first. And so his point was to try to give back lesser than I was, but still give back. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I think I, I like what you mentioned. You touched there, touched the, that point on valuing ourselves, yeah. uh, valuing yourself. Uh, I, I think that it, that is a huge problem. I mean, I've, I've been in business a while and I, I feel like a lot of people aren't, and not, not even just business, I think in just general, um, I think a lot of us don't really value ourselves. Like you mentioned, I think that's a, that's a big problem. Um, we don't really see our true worth, you know, and, and until we see our worth, you know, it's it's hard for us to excel, right? Because if we don't see our worth and our value, how are other people going to see it? 
Exactly. And that's another reason why it's so important to, you know, dive into your brand to figure that stuff out because the moment you know your value, everyone will too, because you'll talk about it and you'll share it and you'll see it. And uh, that, that's why it's good to have a really focused, clear brand and people will definitely see the value you bring. And it's also another reason why it's good to build a thought leadership brand because once you start building the expertise and sharing content and networking with the right people and working your speaking and writing skills, you will start to stand out as a leader in your space and people will value more. Yeah, that's so true. Yep. Perfect. Um, Bobby, I really appreciate it. That's great insight. And, and I love the, the tips and the strategies that you um, that you gave as well. Uh, so to kind of just um, close things out here, I always ask uh, the three hows for every single every single okay. person I interview on the show called the three hows. So how do you define failure? How do you define entrepreneurship? And how do you define success? Wow. <laughs> okay. Start with the first one. How do you find? <laughs> how do you find? How do you define failure? Yeah. Um, failure is when you don't learn. So, what that means is, you know, if you do something and let's say you make a mistake or it doesn't go well or something goes wrong or, or even it's a disaster, and you learn nothing from it, that's a failure. If if you actually learn from it, it's it's a chance for it's opportunity to grow, it's redirection, it's you know, it's 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 a it's a feeling forward type thing. But failure to me is when you actually don't learn from something that's happening. That's the first one. Second, how to define entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship really is uh, the drive within to empower yourself, to own your life, to own your story, to own your purpose and legacy, and create that impact that you want. Every single person has this ability. Every single person has is, is worth it. And entrepreneurship is something that, so that'd be this fire within to, to do that and not be stuck, feel stuck or lost or unfulfilled in your career path. So being entrepreneurship is about trying to create that impact and story and legacy. And then the third one, uh, what's the third one again? Success. Oh, how you define success? Oh, okay, yeah. So for me, I define success uh, by everything I can do to enhance the four areas of, of fulfillment in my life. So. You know, a lot of people talk about money, but like money is just one tool to create that success. It's not the main thing. So for me, there's four areas of your life where you want to have fulfillment. One is the work that you're doing. Number two, it's the people in your life. So whether they're kids, parents, friends, coworkers. Number three, it's your passion pursuits. Uh, so extracurricular activities, maybe you like rock climbing, maybe you like, maybe you like hot yoga. And the fourth one is, you know, your I guess your your mental state, your spirituality, your religious, you know that type of area. So people find fulfillment in all four of those areas, but they typically will find fulfillment in two, but not the other two. They'll say, "Oh, I love my job, but I can't stand life at home," or "Love my wife and kids, but I can't stand my job." Or worse, they'll say, "Can't stand my job, can't stand my life at home. Thank goodness for rock climbing." But you should, you know, to me, if you want to be successful, you should work on creating more joy, fulfillment, and happiness in all four of those areas of your life. And if you do that, you will feel successful and you will be successful. Fantastic. That's perfect, man. I, I love it. I absolutely love it. So, Bobby, where can everyone find you? Uh, you can find me on uh, my website at uh, www.rayallen.com. You can also find me on Twitter, Instagram, and all the different places uh, with my handle, Rayhan Bobby. And then, of course, uh, I'm on LinkedIn, too. Perfect. Uh, Bobby, I, thank you so much, man, for for being on this you know on this podcast and sharing your story with us. I'm 
very, very thankful. So thank you for, for the opportunity. My, really appreciate it. My pleasure, Mike. It was a lot of fun. Thanks so much. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. And this is your host, Michael Giorgio on Tales from the Pros. And until next time.